The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 2, with Blaine Seitz. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Um, Recording, we'll find out later. But welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast. This is our first episode uh, with a guest. And um, we are bringing in Blaine Seitz. Super excited. Blaine is a PGA professional, I believe. I'm pretty sure. And he is also a fitness specialist, a mobility specialist, an author, a speaker, and founder and creator of the Mobilitas Method. Um, So welcome, Blaine. Thanks so much, Joe. I'm excited to be here. Great to have you. Um, Why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself, kind of just what brought you to where you are today, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my journey started a long time ago when I got into golf. My dad got me started when I was like four years old and just fell in love with the game naturally. And kind of the evolution of what happened is when I was in high school, I started getting some pretty bad back pain that was flirting with, you know, tampering with my career as as a golfer and as a player. And I didn't think anything of it because golf and back pain just go together uh, until I was on an internship for the PGA back in 2011. And I was introduced into the world of mobility. And I learned from a a colleague and, and kind of a mentor how to release my hip flexors. Uh, one day when we were sitting at the golf shop and lo and behold, when I stood up, my back pain just it seemed to be gone, uh, which was really amazing. And it kind of opened my eyes into this, this world that you don't have to just deal with it. You can fix it and you can change it. And from that day forward, we're going on almost 10 years now. I dedicated my career into learning more about the physiology side, the fitness side, the wellness side. And everything like that. So over the that last 10 years or so, my career has kind of been kind of deviated for a little bit. Where on the one hand, here I am, PGA golf professional, doing uh, swing lessons and coaching and helping run facilities. On the other hand, I'm uh, a fitness professional in the CrossFit space, worked with a lot of CrossFit Games athletes. And my role in the CrossFit space was to build mobility programs so that these athletes, in particular the CrossFit Games athletes, would reduce their chance of injury while boosting their performance. And we started building mobility classes for not just the members of the gym, but for anybody in the community that wanted to come. So I would have my golfers that I was working with come over to these mobility programs and they would leave. And for like the next week, their game was just on point and they could move better. They're hitting the ball farther. Their back pain's gone. Their shoulder pain's gone. And they're like, Blaine, there's something to this. And I was doing that for a couple of years until I finally realized there's definitely something to this. So those deviated paths came back together. And that's what I do now is I help golfers and athletes with the wellness, mobility, fitness, performance side of golf, where I don't necessarily teach the golf swing anymore. I'm well-versed in it, but I believe that when you take care of the other things, the mindset, wellness, mobility, and fitness, that the performance aspect starts to take care of itself. And even when I was teaching golf lessons, 
people would come in with a slice and we'd work on like hip and shoulder mobility and get their butt stronger and the slice went away without having to talk about the slice. So that's kind of what I do now is, is, is teaching and educating and traveling and speaking and writing about all this, uh, mostly remotely with some workshops and clinics in person thrown in here or there. I love it, man. That's definitely, uh, I definitely understand where you're coming from as a physical therapist and strength coach, um, how the body can work and make, you know, make your golf swing or anything so much easier or better in your life. Um, since we don't do a very good job of, or most people don't do a very good job of taking care of themselves. Um, but why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about the mobilitas method that you've created and pretty much is your, your rock that you're working from. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we, if we want to balance or boil it all down, if you will, I can sum it up in four words and it's kind of my tagline. I use it everywhere, but it's move better, play better. And the idea there's, there's basically five pillars that I focus on. And if the end goal is performance, then at the root of it all, we have mindset and at the core is mobility supported by wellness and fitness. And so regardless of what I found is regardless of what that performance aspect is that you are looking for, these other underlying pillars are, are where we really need to focus our attention. And in a broad spectrum of just human performance, the root for all of it is the mindset stuff, which I know we want to dive into here in a little bit. And then what happens is as we go up off that foundation, we can get a little bit more specific to work towards that performance, but everybody has to have the right mindset. And then we add layers of wellness. Everybody needs to eat well and, and drink and, and sleep and everything like that. And then mobility comes along where, okay, we need to move in a certain way to be able to swing a golf club. And that mobility practice might be slightly different if we're talking about a CrossFitter, might be slightly different if we're talking about like baseball or football, whatever it is. But as a human, we need to move well. And then we can add fitness because our body is going to move safely. And that fitness, again, it's a broad spectrum. We need to move like a human, but we could add little pieces here or there tailored to the specifics of it. And then before you know it, because you've laid that foundation, the performance side takes care of itself. And if we've done everything that we need to, to, to perform, we will perform, if that makes sense. <laughs> total sense, total sense. I love how you pretty much build up everything. Like you were saying, you get a good foundation and then everything will just pretty much take care of itself. Um, I'm definitely a pretty much a firm believer in that for sure. But let's talk a little bit more about the mindset. You alluded to that just a little bit ago. I feel like that is one of the biggest things that usually gets overlooked a lot of times. Um, and it's definitely a big roadblock sometimes a lot of, for a lot of people, whether it's progressing you know, or achieving your goals for golf or just in everyday life, even if it's like financial or career related, anything. Um, but what are some of the common mindset shifts that you have to make with people or you, know, you help people make and uh, or typical roadblocks that people are struggling with that you see? Yeah, so I think, you know, it's kind of that chicken or the egg scenario of, of what comes first. And especially in the golf world, there's at least my belief on it, that a lot of people believe that they need to play well to believe that they can shoot a certain score. So if they're struggling to break 100, they're like, well, I've never broken 100. I need to work on my swing. I need to work on my game. I need to work on this and that and the other. But the reality is, especially when we're talking about somebody at, let's say, the level of trying to break 100, it's usually not 
the technique that's holding them back. It's the belief in what they can do. It's the strategy of missing in the right places. It's minimizing misses, keeping the ball from out of bounds. And one of the things that I think really leads to that is the understanding that on a primitive level, our mind, our brain does not understand language. Because if we look at the evolution of the brain, uh, we have our ancient brain, which was very uh, primal, and it didn't know language. It was just thinking, feeling, fight or flight. And the newer brain has evolved to create a language. And what I mean by that is our ball tends to go wherever we're focusing. And what I mean by that is if we're thinking, don't go in the trees, don't go in the water, don't go into that bunker, all our brain knows is that's what we're focused on. That's where we should hit the ball. So we have to override that. We have to reframe the conversation in our mind instead of saying, don't slice it, don't top it, don't thin it. We have to reframe it into hit a good shot, hit it to the middle of the green, make a smooth swing. It always has to reframe into a positive thought in order to get the desired outcome. And I think a lot of players that are starting out struggle with this because they've hit so many bad shots. And I think players who are really successful, uh, they also have that problem because they're worried about, I mean, let's just say we've never shot under par, right? And now we need to go par par to shoot one under and that opportunity is there. Uh, there's a lot of times that, that conversation will go where, you know, what led up to that opportunity was we're playing great. We're hitting good shots. We're making all these things. We're going for it. And then they realize, oh no, if I just, if I go par par, I'll shoot under par. Don't mess up. And then we self-sabotage and we will absolutely mess up. So we have to learn to separate those things. And whether it's, is through, just different mindset practices, journaling, meditation, breathing, whatever it is, there's a whole list of things that we are more than happy to get into. When you're focused on what you do want to accomplish, then things really start to happen. And, and I'll, before I finish up this quick little rant, something that I think anybody watching live right now, we're listening to the replay of this, something you can take away right now that I think can help your game was uh, a little quote that I, I stole from uh, from Brad Faxon, one of the greatest putters on the PGA Tour. And somebody asked Brad one time, they're like, look, Brad, you're one of the best putters the PGA Tour has ever seen. You seem to make everything and you make them when you need to. What's your secret? And he said, I know I'm going to make it and I don't care if I miss. And I believe that there's a lot of power inside paradoxical truths where both things on opposite ends of the spectrum need to be true at the same time. And if you can unlock that secret, which isn't a logical thing, that's where the magic happens. So on any swing, you have to believe in your heart of hearts that you're going to hit the best shot ever. And you can't care. You can't get emotionally attached. You can't bruise your ego if you don't. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is they're getting watched by people on the first tier. People are waiting for them in the middle of the fairway and they get that pressure on them. And, oh, I better not hit a good sh or a bad shot. You know, those people are watching me. And then you, you, you obviously you chunk it and then it becomes this bruise to the ego. 
And it's, it's all about how do you detach from that and move forward knowing that you're going to hit the best shot. Yeah, that's, that can be definitely pretty hard. I remember even to this day, still sometimes, you know, people are watching, waiting in the group behind me on the first tee. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, let's hope I hit it down the middle of the fairway this time. So I don't make a fool of myself. And I felt that every time I was, I was on the high school golf team, every time when I played, I was the last group to go off, fortunately, but I still had everyone still watching me, the rest of the coaches. And it was still just really awkward. That's definitely one of the tough things to get over for sure. You kind of alluded to some of the, I would say negative self-talk that a lot of people get themselves into, especially on the golf course, where like you said, they're either focused on like not hitting it into the water or hitting into the sand or, you know, even just not missing the green, basically. What are, you had mentioned some different techniques. What are some of your go-to techniques that helps kind of people, you know, get away from the negative self-talk and get to the positive self-talk? I love that. I'll try my best to keep it as a short answer. I have a tendency to run on, but I get so fired up about this stuff. And I think in its simple essence, it's not something that you can do right away in the spur of the moment. There are things that can help, but it's really something that you need to work on every day. And I'll, I'll add some context to that. So one of the things that, that I like to coach and teach is this idea that every day in life, in work, in golf, whatever it is, we have these little stressors that come into our life, whether it's missing a putt or maybe we're running late for work or there's a line at the coffee shop or we have an argument with our partner, whatever it is, these little stresses add up. And what happens is we take them on and we hold them in and we hang on to them until there's this critical point where we just get tipped past it and we break. And a lot of us experience that on the golf course where maybe we hit a bad shot and it, and it slices off into the trees. And some people that are, are watching or listening might relate to this where, you know, you might slam your club in the ground. You might break it over your knee. You might smack your bag. And it's, it has nothing to do with that shot. It has everything to do with, with what's been going on throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout your lifetime. That little tick with just enough to break the straw on the camel's back. However, there are things you can do to take that big stressor that you've had piling up and break it back down. And I like to call this starting each day from a zero, meaning we've removed all that stress and now we're coming from a place of abundance where we're back at a zero. And sure, throughout the day, Things are going to happen one point here, five points here, 10 points here, whatever it is. And maybe by the end of the day in this, in this metaphor here, you finish the day and there's a hundred stressor points that have added up. Well, our job is before we go to bed or before we start our day is to get back down to zero. And there's a lot of ways we can do this, but my favorite one is a, is a technique that I teach called power breathing and power breathing allows you to just tap into the core of who you are and get in touch with yourself and block all of that other stuff out. And just for a moment, even if it's just a couple of minutes in the day, remind yourself, okay, that thing that was annoying me, that stress, 
in the grand scheme of life, it doesn't matter. Here I am. Who's here? Who am I? I'm okay with it. Stuff's going to happen. Let's just get back down to that place of zero. And so the way that we do power breathing, uh, there's a couple of things with it where it's a two-part diaphragmatic chest breath. Basically put, if anybody listening, or Joe, if you want to follow along with this, you put one hand on your chest over your heart, one hand over your belly button, and you just start by taking a few breaths, and you become aware of your breath. And the first thing that you're going to notice is that one of those hands is starting to expand. Maybe your chest is going in and out, and you feel the hand over your heart, or maybe it's the one down on your belly. Maybe your belly is opening and closing as you breathe. And it's, at first, you're just becoming aware. Once you've become aware, you want to shift that focus into being able to control the two. All right, let's purposefully breathe in and out of just our chest. Let's purposefully breathe just in and out of our belly. Once you've gotten that control, could take 10 seconds, could take 10 minutes, depending on the stress in your life. What you do is you begin to control your breath, big breath in through the belly, and then while you have that belly breath, then it's a big chest breath, and then you let it go. And you repeat this for 20, 30, 40 breaths, and you start to get warm, you get tingly, you start to feel some sensations, you start to waken up your nervous system, you start to feel alive, and after that 20, 30, 40th breath, you just let it go and you hold your breath. You're not inhaling, you're not exhaling, it's just kind of you've let it all out and you hang out. And you can hang out here for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, three minutes, and you feel this serene peace come over your body. After you get to the point where you're like, okay, I just need air. You take one more breath, same thing, fill your belly, fill your chest as big as you can, and then you squeeze that breath up into your head for 5, 10, 15 seconds. And you push and you concentrate it. And then you just relax. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, okay. Nothing really matters. The things that truly matter in my life are right here. I've got myself. I've got my thoughts. I'm safe. All those other things, they've been projected onto me that they're a big deal and I should be concerned about them. And in a way we should, but if we really look at what matters in the world, we all have it. And what that does is that takes this level 100 stressor, if you will, and it brings it down. Now you're at a 70, now you're at a 50. And you repeat that process as much as you need to, as much as you can throughout the day. And there are some days where you just had such a stressful day the day before that you can't get back to zero but you've at least took a chunk away from it. You've gotten closer. And what happens is when you do this practice each day, you eventually get yourself back down to zero. And for anybody listening where they've never done anything like this before, you just aren't aware that you could have thousands and thousands of these stressor points built up in you, and that's your new normal. And it might take weeks or months to get back down to that place of zero, but when you do, you have a tool to not let it build back up. So what happens is when you're on the golf course and you start to feel those stressors come in, you can recognize them and say, oh, I'm 
getting nervous. I'm getting anxious. I'm getting tense. So what we do is we say, okay, I just hit two bad shots. I just went double, double. I need to reset myself. You just take a moment. You take a breath. You let it go. And then you kind of just clear your head for a moment. You say, look, I'm playing golf. It's not a big deal. This is not life or death. If I hit the ball in the trees, no worries. But it brings you back to that place of zero, or at least as close as you can. So to do that in the moment without that daily practice, it's almost impossible. However, if it's just part of your routine and you're already doing it each day, then when you're on the golf course, you can recognize it and come back to it. Um, for any of your listeners, and I'll send you the video as well, if you want to send it to anybody, I've done a training on how to power breathe and I walk you through it. I'd love for everybody uh, to go through that experience. But that's, that's one of the best things that we can do is just to become aware of our breath because when we're aware internally, we become more aware externally. Uh, yeah, I, I love that, Blaine. Um, I don't think people understand the potential power that breathing has over our body, um, how we're supposed to do it properly, not only like when we're working out, but like you said, as a stress reliever, it's uh, one of the ways that I like to um, end my workout. Basically, I just lay down on the floor and just breathe. Basically, I like to do box breathing, almost essentially the same thing, just a little bit different. Um, but it's a great way to get your nerves to calm down. And like you were saying, um, for anyone listening, it's a great way to train your brain and say, okay, well, I'm in the stressful state. I'm going to do this technique and it's going to work. And you continue to do this and do this. And then before you know it, your brain is trained that it's going to, if you do that technique, it's bound to work. So when you, when you are out on the golf course, it's going to help, um, or anywhere, whether you're, you're at your job or anything along those lines, it's going to, it's going to help. A hundred percent. And, and not, not to interject, but I'd love if you would, wouldn't mind box breathing is another breathing technique I love. And I could explain it, but I don't know if I've ever heard somebody else explain it. I'd love for you to talk about it real quick. So we'll flip the script for just a moment. Sure. Joe, tell sure. me, what is box um, breathing? And the way amazing. that I understand box breathing is you can pretty much essentially basically look at it as a box, essentially, right? We can have a square, which is equal on all sides, or a rectangle, which has two sides that are equal and two sides that are equal, but they're different lengths. Um, so basically... Again, you could be in any position. I like to lie down uh, after my workout and do it. But basically, you take a, a breath in, and you could hold it, take a breath in for however many seconds you would like to. I would usually start at five or so. And then you hold it for five seconds, or you can hold it for less. You can hold it for two seconds. And you exhale for five seconds. You would exhale for the same amount of time that you inhaled. And then, again, you would not do anything in between, and then you would just repeat that process. That's pretty much my understanding of box breathing. I love it. I, and in just hearing somebody else explain it as, as an educator, as a teacher, as you know, you can say something just a thousand different ways. And it's always fun to learn from each other. But I, I just, I love that idea of just bringing intention to our breath. Cause it's one of those things where we can do it consciously or subconsciously and being able to tie the consciousness into the subconsciousness has a lot of power to it. It does. It does. Um, we have some questions that came in. Um, I think you probably answered 
some of this with, with the uh, power breathing technique. But uh, one of the questions was, what else do you do to maintain uh, that mindset in your daily life? So obviously power breathing could be a good option. Um, what else would be something simple that you could do or not so simple? Absolutely. So I think the most impactful practices that I have in my life and that I teach to all my clients is the art of building a morning and evening routine. And if we can control the first hour of our day, we can set ourselves up so that no matter what happens, we've done what we need to, to take care of ourselves. And at the end of the day, controlling that last 30 to 60 minutes to wind down so that no matter what happened, we can have that reset and we can focus on having good sleep. So at least for myself and everybody's routine is a little different in, in what I work with my clients is, is finding that routine that really works with them. So everybody's a little bit different. But for me, roughly speaking, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to possibly use the bathroom, I'm going to do some kind of breath work like the power breathing. And then usually I'll, I'll grab, I have it over there somewhere. So I'll grab something like my journal and I'll write in the reflections that I had during that breathwork session, anything that came to mind, just get it out of my head, put it on paper. I can always come back to it later. And then I'll do some kind of like walk. I'll take the dog out. We'll go use the bathroom. It gets my body warm and then I'll go into some mobility. I'll do my power warm up routine. It takes five, 10, 15 minutes. I might do a little bit extra, make myself some coffee, put a little bit of grass fed butter and some MCT oil in it, get the brain fired up maybe do a little bit of a workout. And then before you know it, an hour's gone by and I've done almost everything that I need to do for the day. And so by the time that the day comes around, I'm like, okay, there's nothing in the back of my mind of like, I still need to do that. It's already been taken care of. And now we can really focus on the things that matter. And by turning this into a routine and doing it habitually every day, we don't get so bogged down with de decision fatigue. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people struggle with is, pardon the dogs. So decision fatigue is that, you know, we make decisions all day. And by the time the end of the day comes around, it's like, man, I don't want to work out. I don't want to have to stretch. I don't want to have to eat right. I don't want to have to make this decision because we're so burned out. And so if we can make those decisions habitual, it doesn't use up the decision fatigue. We go out throughout our day, and then at the end of the day, we do what we need to do to take care of ourselves in that regard as well. And so that first hour, that last hour, those are going to be really, really important. So many great thoughts right there, Blaine. I think that having a bedtime and a morning routine is definitely key to success. I'm still working on getting mine down at this point, but I feel like there's so many things that are cited to successful people in terms of having a bedtime and a morning routine. Um, there's obviously some truth behind that. And it looks like we have another question that's come in. And the question is finally hitting the course tomorrow. So I didn't practice today to turn my mind off so that instead I could get mental images of the course I'm going to play. Is that a good mental approach? I see the question. So finally in the course tomorrow, so I didn't practice today, turn my mind off. So instead of the mental edges of the course, I'm going to play. So it sounds like, and, and maybe you can help me interpret this one, Joe. It sounds like they didn't practice 
from the standpoint of they don't want to be thinking about their swing while they're playing. Does that sound right to you? It sounds like they didn't practice physically, but maybe they practice mentally in their head of the yeah. course that they're going to play. That's how I'm taking Got it. it. Yeah. yeah. So I think a hundred percent. And that's something I was actually just on a call earlier today with one of my clients where she's a competitive golfer. She plays in tournaments regularly. And one of the things that we do together is we will look at the course she's going to be playing that week and mentally map out the course. And there's pros and cons to it, but the idea is if we know our plan of action, what what club am I going to take off this tee? Where do I want to land it? What angle am I going to come in from? Where do I want to miss the ball? You know, having that game plan, being familiar, visualizing the round several times before we actually get out there is hugely beneficial. The th- thing that we have to keep in mind though is that at some point we're going to get off track that plan is going to start to fall apart and we have to be okay with that we have to have our ideal round and every so often we're going to follow through with our ideal round otherwise we'd all go out and shoot in the 50s but at some point we derail but we come back to it because we have that destination in mind i know where the flag is i know the best option to get there So what do we need to do to make our way through there? And this was something that we did in the CrossFit world all the time, too, is we would have our workouts posted the night before. And so we would visualize ourselves going through the workout. Okay, it's going to be five rounds. All right. Round one, I'm going to do it unbroken. And then round two, I'm going to break it up into smaller chunks. And round three, I'm going to do this. And round by the time I get to round five, I'm going to finish hard. And the same thing happens on the golf course. We say, okay, hole one is going to be an iron off the tee. Hole two is a driver hole. Hole three, well, it depends on where the flag is. But if it's on the left, I'm not going for it because there's water over there. And we just, the more familiar that we are with a hole, the better off that we can be. Now, something else that just popped in my head um, is this idea, and some people listening, I, I think, will understand this where there are certain holes that fit our eye in certain holes that don't. And there are holes where you're standing on the tee and you know, you're going to hit a good shot. It's just your favorite hole. You hit a good drive there every time. And there's other holes where, you know, I'm probably going in those trees on the right. Cause every single time I play this hole, I'm going into those trees on the right. So this is a really interesting concept. I learned about this from Dr. Allison Kurt. Uh, she's a PGA, LPGA master professional and a teacher professional. Um, and this idea of having holes that fit our eye and holes that are, we're kind of traumatized by on a very small level is a form of PTSD. It's the yips gone bigger. We have trauma associated with it. So to go back to what we were talking about earlier, If we're focused on, oh, I always hit them in the trees on this hole, we're probably going to hit them into the trees. So there's this concept that we can all start to practice right away the next time that we go play called tapping. Tapping overrides that micro trauma and allows us to implant a positive thought. It allows us to go into what I call our mental library and take a shot off the shelf of our mental library, look at it, and then execute it in the future. 
So if you think, well, let me ask you this, and, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Joe, have you, have you ever gotten a no, home No, I have not. No. All right. We'll use it as an example anyway, because some, some people listening might have, and it's, it's a fun one. But there are a lot of times, like if I ask somebody, have you gotten a home one? And they have. They'll tell me which club all they were playing, who they were playing with. They can tell you everything about it because there's such a strong association with it. And what also happens is the next time they play that hole, they play that hole well because there's a good association with it. And so we have these powerful positive associations just as much as we have the negative ones, but we tend to dwell on the negative ones. What we can do, however, is if we have that shot, that positively associated shot, we can remember it and execute it again. And so let's just say it was 150 yard eight iron. The next time you play that hole, the next time you have an eight iron, the next time you have a 150 yard shot, whatever the situation is, you can tap into your mind and remember that shot and embody what it felt like to hit that shot and do it again. And the secret is to visualize the shot. And while you're visualizing the shot, you're standing there, you're looking at the target, as you start to tap your feet back and forth, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. And you just nice and slow, you tap your feet back and forth, nice rhythm, and you look at the shot in your mind. The more you do this, that tapping back and forth, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, it overrides the don't go in the water, don't go in the trees, don't go in the bunker. And it replaces it with do this. It takes that shot that you do want to hit, downloads it into your subconscious, and allows you to execute on it through your intuition and through your skill set again. So one of the most powerful things that we can do is anytime we hit a good shot, whether it's on the range or on the course, is celebrate it. Because that emotional celebration to a shot ties it into our memory. One of the worst things we can do is hit a pretty good shot and then be like, oh, I hit it a little thin, right? Oh, I could have been better. Like that negative, right? There's more to it than that. So the next time you hit a good shot on the range or whatever it is, remember it, celebrate it, get that emotional tie. It releases a little dopamine and now you have it hardwired and you can tap back into it at any time. There's a hole at my home course that no matter how bad I'm playing that day, I get to that tee and I will stripe it 300 down the middle because I've associated it positively. And what I will do is elsewhere in the round, if my driver is going awry, I just imagine I'm standing on that hole. I imagine that hole out there. I tap into it and then boom, I hit a good shot. And we have to override the negative with the positive or else we're doomed. So I know there's a, a long side tangent there, but it popped in my head. I thought everybody no, that was, was great. Really benefit from um, I think it was super helpful. And again, just showing how powerful the brain and the mind can be and just tapping into those memories as a PT and dealing with people with chronic pain. That's definitely one of those things that I can think about or demonstrate to people how strong the brain can be. I usually go back to whatever someone's favorite meal was when they were a kid that their grandmother used to make them. And usually they can imagine every single thing about it. They can smell it. They can taste it. They know exactly what it looks like. And we did nothing but ask or ask about it, basically. So the mind is incredibly powerful. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. 
any last words of wisdom or any good advice or tips in terms of having a good mindset for golf and for life? It takes work. I think at the end of the day, I'd love to say it's a magic pill of just do this. But even the stuff that you can just do, you have to be conscious and aware and make a choice to have a positive mindset each day. And it's about looking at obstacles and turning them into opportunities and understanding that there's only certain things that we can control. And there's a lot of things that we can't. And our only job is to focus on the things that we can control. We can control how we react to things, our emotions. We can control what we put into our bodies and what we eat. We can control the decision to exercise and to push ourselves, and and we can decide things like which club we're going to take and 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 where what kind of swing we want to make. But things that we can't control, we can't control what's going on in the world and in the news. We can't control that our ball hits the flagstick and pops off the water or it hits a sprinkler head or it hits the cart path. I mean, there's just, we, the list can go on and on and on where if we focus on the things that we can't control, we're going to focus on the things that we can control. If we just show up each day, if we put our best foot forward, that consistency compounds over time. And then before you know it, you've been able to shift this identity into I'm a positive person. I'm always thinking about the right things. Opportunities are found everywhere. And there's no such thing as failure because I'm able to learn from things. And, and just it goes on and on and on. And so it, it starts with making a conscious choice to be aware of the decisions that you currently make, changing the ones that don't suit you, and then doubling down on the ones that move you forward. Excellent. Love it. Well, Blaine, I appreciate your time and all your knowledge and advice you shared with everyone today. I do have a couple of just fun questions to end, kind of stealing from 18 Ooh. Strong Podcast. All right. uh, definitely a, um, I don't know, the word escapes me right now, but um, someone I admire too, Jeff and everything that he's done so far in the field, um, just kind of mimicry uh, basically to show my appreciation for what he's done basically. Just a little bit different questions. Absolutely. Uh, what's the best course you've ever played? Uh, I'd say my favorite course is probably Bandon Trails out at the Bandon Dunes Resort. Nice. Hopefully one day would love to get out there and play any one of those courses. That They look amazing. It's a fantastic facility. Absolutely. Nice. All right. It's a risky approach shot to the green. Are you going for it or laying up? The easy answer is it depends on the situation. Um, I'd say four times out of five, I'm probably going to go for it because I don't play for score that often. I play to kind of push myself. Um, but if it's something like it's a competitive setting and it's just like, don't make bogey, no, I'm going to play it safe. But if I'm out having fun, if score doesn't really matter, you know, par fives are just long par fours with an extra shot thrown in there. So nice. I'll probably go for it. All right, and you're going out for a round, and who's in your dream foursome? Ooh. Well, that's a good one. Let's take Tiger Woods circa 2000. Because <laughs> you're like, well, who doesn't want to play with that? Um, let's throw in – oh, man, that's a really good question. Um, my, my, my gut just wants to say, like, Jack and Arnold. And, and I hate to just throw the big names out there to have like the big three or whatever, but uh, 
that'd probably be pretty fun as well. You can't go wrong with those three. I don't think, I think that would be a great time. Um, Blaine, where can people get in contact with you and kind of keep up with everything that you're doing? Uh, website is mobilitasgolf.com. That's kind of a, a hub that'll redirect you a lot of places. You can get a free copy of my book there as well. Um, like you, I run, do a lot of awesome coaching and content and things like that. And then email is mobilitasgolf at gmail.com. Those are probably the best ways. Great. Blaine, thanks again for your time and everything that you shared with us. Appreciate you being on. And uh, we'll catch everyone the next time. Awesome. I appreciate it, Joe. Thanks so much. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. If you would like to learn more about Coach Blaine Seitz, his website is www.mobilitasgolf.com. That's M-O-B-I-L-I-T-A-S golf.com. Also, we have a free Facebook group that's filled with medical, fitness, and PJ professionals designed to help you achieve peak performance on and off the golf course. I will drop that link in the show notes as well as Coach Blaine Seitz's website in the show notes if you want to reach out to him. Otherwise, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, and write a review. If you could really do that, that would be super appreciated. But at this point, I think we're going to officially wrap up the episode. And remember, if you take care of your mind and your body, everything else will fall into place and you will feel great and golf great.